So I think that that's one of the things that Ironman training or marathon training teaches you is that once you've done it, you can you have this confidence that you can do hard things. This episode might deserve another, oh my gosh. Hello, hello. Welcome to Chill Track Friday. I'm Ali. I'm Anne. Uh, wait, hold on a second. Can you hear that? I don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we don't hear the sound of my neighbor slamming his door. We don't hear motorcycles driving by my apartment or the elevator door slamming. Yeah, or that the AC has been on for the first 15 minutes of the podcast, <laughs> and then you're kind of having to go back and actually turn it off. <laughs> and why is that? That is because we are recording from an actual professional studio. Chill Track Friday's growing up. <laughs> so this is a big day for us. It's very exciting. We're in a studio, so hopefully this sounds even more professional. Yeah. And it turns out that our studio is very close to a La Colombe, so yes. that's kind of helpful. We're going to be really amped up on that coffee. Yeah, and not only close to La Colombe, it's also close to, if anyone listened to our introductory episode when we mentioned our favorite place near the track called, well, it's actually not called Two Dollar Everything, but that's what we call it. It's like six doors down, so it felt like a meant-to-be studio. So anyway, cheers with La Colombe. <laughs> oh my God. Iced oat milk latte. Iced oat milk latte. You know, I, I was in Chicago earlier this week. and uh, <laughs> You're always somewhere. <laughs> I know, I'm always somewhere, sorry. Uh, people are like, he's so full of himself. <laughs> uh, just keeps traveling all the time. What's his problem? No, um, and while walking around, I saw La Cologne. And I launched into this whole thing with my coworker about how we talk about coffee and La Cologne is a big player. And she was like, oh, are they sponsoring you? I was like, well. Maybe. Maybe. In the works. Yeah. Speaking of sponsorship, we're, we've been discussing our um, pitch deck for sponsorship, and I noticed that we have surpassed 6,000 downloads, so that's a big deal for us. So thank you, listeners. Yeah, thank you so much. I, that's It's a really good point, actually. Walking over here, I was thinking about actually thanking our listeners. I went to last Thursday evening, I went to group training uh, to coach a tempo run, and I had runners come up to me who were like really enjoying the podcast. So it makes me so happy to kind of hear that. Um, so please, yes, we look forward to hearing feedback from you and it keeps us inspired in doing what we're doing. And um, someone actually walked up and said, I was in London three weeks ago and I'd never had Cafe Nero before. So I went to <laughs> Cafe Nero. That's so cool. Maybe yeah. we should have them sponsor us internationally. I know. <laughs> Once we go global, even though we do have a global audience, we have we do. downloads from Australia, from... Sweden, England, Italy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, this is our first recording in a studio. Um, Though our guest we recorded. Yes, we're sort of going to be patchworking things together a little bit. This intro is done post-interview. <laughs> um, Let's talk about our featured athletes for a second. Yeah. But before we get into that, you wanted to say something overall about just training and... Yeah, well, it's interesting because I've been I'm coming from a different perspective than I have in most of my running, which is that I'm coming out of an injury, so I've watched people 
train and race, and I'm not going through that myself. So I've been able to observe things that I might not normally observe. And one thing I want that's been going through my head that I just wanted to say to everyone who's training for a marathon, just cut yourself some slack. <laughs> I feel like, especially if you're living in a big metropolis like New York, it's really easy to like be really hard on ourselves. You know, we, we live hard, we play hard, we train hard. And so just like take a couple seconds to, as you're listening to this, just like take a deep breath, inhale and exhale and just pat yourself on the back and, you know, just take it easy. Cause you're showing up and that's the most important thing. And not every workout is going to go perfectly and you're not going to get every run in and missing one run here and there. It's not going to make or break your race. You know, it's all about balance. And I think that it's really easy for us to kind of lose sight of that because we're all doers. I think that runners are really people who are doers. So just that's my kind of <laughs> from the 35,000 feet up in the air, looking down on other people's training and, and hearing comments and stuff like that. Just like, you know, take it easy. Yeah, because we're everyone's kind of in the meat of their yeah. fall marathon. So that's a really, really good point. Just remember not to forget the joy of the journey. Yeah. Uh, step back for a second. And then that dovetails into the idea, like our featured athletes have been like really meticulous about um, logging uh, their training, which I think is really, really important, knowing where you are um, and, you know, how to approach next week based on what happened this week. So you can kind of have the bigger picture. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's important to do that, too, because in my own experience of logging training and also logging my injury, you wake up in the morning and if you're if you're tracking an injury, I've been logging my injury. But if you're tracking training, you put your training in afterwards and you might think, oh, well, I'll remember that next week. So I'll just fill it out later. But you might not. So fill it in as specifically as you can, because when you go back and look at it, it's really interesting what you you might notice patterns and you can kind of pick up where you might start to be tipping into maybe overtraining and you're too tired or you feel a niggle and then you don't feel it for a while and then you feel it another week later. To have that noted is something that's really valuable. And um, I actually suggested to an athlete today to start a food log because there's also some often there's digestion issues. So we think that we're going to remember everything, but we really don't. So that's my point. Make yeah. sure you write it all down because it will be really helpful. Especially if it becomes a pattern, right? Yeah. The same thing kind of keeps happening over and over again. Um, it might be hard to pinpoint and then you can figure out with the log where the issue might be. So speaking of um, yeah. logging training and recognizing patterns, can you give us a little quick download on where Melissa O'Brien is, who's yeah. in just finished week 10 for Berlin, six weeks to go to the Berlin Marathon? Yep, she's just finished week 10. Um, so this is like the meat of her training. And that's, you know, it's really hard when you're building up to peak week. Um, you know, she did tell us that she's feeling the accumulation of her training and was also experiencing what comes with that often is kind of like lethargy and the bargaining in the morning of like, oh, I don't want to do this. Maybe I can do it later. Um, but she like plowed through. And um, one thing that we were very clear with her about was just to remind her that she was in a down week this week and to really take advantage of having fewer miles. Um, she had she was feeling tired on the Monday after a, her, a, a, an up week. So I had told her, I said, you know, that's to be expected, just milk the down week. And then I checked in with her. She checked in with me a couple hours ago and said she's ready to take on next week, which is another up week. So, you know, it's about riding those waves. And she really did take it easy this week and um 
it's to, it's so wonderful to see that 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 has worked for her. Yeah. And, no, absolutely. Because you, like, if you think about how much pressure you're like not just pressure, like how many miles and fatigue you're actually putting on your body, right? Eventually at a certain point, it, it's actually, if you don't feel this slight dip in like, oh my God, I feel so tired and um, I've been put, you know, it's it's been 10 weeks of continuous training and you're really hitting the harder, longer miles now um, because she had like cruise intervals during the week, mm-hmm. then a tempo run, then a long run. Um, actually, you want that to happen now it's the right time for it to happen so that, you know, you don't carry that over on race day and you're well rested and things like that. Yeah, And it might be helpful also to remember that the point of marathon training is to tire yourself out. So then the taper works. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to give us the brief on Andrea Redsky? Yeah, absolutely. So she has 11 weeks to go in New York City Marathon. So she is slowly ramping up to the meat of the training. It's a little bit early. Uh, What was interesting with Andrea is that they're, they're, she just got back from vacation, so she had to adjust her plan based on her vacation. We were kind of in touch with her. We said, yeah, life happens, you know, just adjust accordingly. Don't uh, You don't put your life on hold because you're training for a marathon. You kind of integrate it with everything that, that you're doing. And then there's some other life event, life events that um, are going, you know, are, she, she told us about that are coming up. So we we're kind of advising on how to adjust her training plan based off of that. If there's unexpected travel coming, maybe make your off day on your travel day and then if you miss a few miles or miss a day it's it's you know it's okay just don't you know don't think about overdoing it so it reminds me of when i did the roadrunners club of america coaching training the, <laughs> the teacher said that the training plan are it's not um tablets handed down from moses it's just like a template and there it's supposed to be adjustable and that's why i mean when we spoke with roberta groner last week or two weeks ago it was really cool to hear that she gets her training plan one week at a time because mm-hmm. that's really all that we do know exactly it's it's really good to have the training plan but you know as us a type runners we also it can be a little bit of a negative thing too if you get really too attached to it like oh it says 42 miles this week and i have to do that no matter what um you have to take into account all the other moving pieces that are happening in your life. And that's, you know, so you have, <laughs> I really like the idea that they're not tablets handed down. And finally, we have Brian Shaw. <laughs> our long lost, <laughs> our long lost featured athlete who, um, I feel like we've neglected Brian. <laughs> what do you do when your featured athlete BQs before you've even started working with him? <laughs> I know, I know. It's so funny. So actually, I should take um, the blame for this because Brian BQ'd immediately and he said, hey, can you guys write me a plan? Um, for Because he's, he's pacing New York. So, uh, so Brian, your plan is coming. Um, <laughs> I have started working on it. Um, he's in, I think he's two weeks out from his BQ or three weeks out from his BQ. So he's still in recovery zone. He's done um, about 20-ish miles while coaching. So uh, the plan is to actually write something for Brian leading all the way up to his New York pacing duties where he's pacing the 340 group. Anyone getting ready for a 340 marathon at New York? Yeah, fine, Brian. Fine, Brian. Incredible metronome um, there. Um, but the main reason, like, Brian is a very experienced coach himself, and I love his reasoning. He said, I, I would love to have a plan so that I can hold myself accountable, yeah. right? You Like, we will go back to him and check in. Um, so actually working on that plan as we speak. So It's one of my favorite parts about coaching is getting the weekly check-in and just seeing where people are. And yeah. 
it's a different perspective than when you're in it. Because, you know, even for us, it's hard to yeah. internalize, right? When we are in, uh, in the thick of our training, we're like, no, 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 we have to, like, I have to hit these <laughs> paces or I have to do this. But then, yeah, yeah, do as I say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I said that to you on the subway today. Yeah. Even even our own coaches, we see that all the time. The yeah. people who are coaching us are like, yeah, do as I say. <laughs> so let's introduce our guest. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> who is this person? So we have Christine Burke today, um, who is a mom, a runner, three kids, a set of twins, um, has run 26 marathons, an Iron Woman, right? Um, currently, she's had an amazing career in marketing, and currently she's the senior vice president of strategic partnerships and runner products at the New York Roadrunners. What does that involve? She's in charge of all the runner services and the coaching and the group training and the virtual trainer and, um, yeah, kind of the front of the, the face of New York Roadrunners from the runner perspective. And um, she is someone that we've had on our wish, our guest wish list for a really long time. Um, one of my actually favorite moments with Christine was I was at Roadrunners for a coaching meeting, and then a few of us went up in the elevator to take a tour of the new office space. And for some reason, <laughs> I can't remember why, but she mentioned Sun In, and it's such a cultural reference from a very specific time. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're my age. <laughs> so this is for the <laughs> uh, like late 80s, early 90s babies in terms of growing up. Not born. We're born in the 70s. <laughs> but Sun In was like late 80s. I am so glad I put you on the spot because that's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you enjoy the conversation with Christine. We interviewed her at the New York Roadrunners office, in her office, actually. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay. Welcome to the podcast, Christine. Thanks for having me. Uh, favorite Bruce Springsteen song? Oh, that is such a tough question. I could give you probably top five, top ten. So... Um, if I Should Fall Behind was our wedding song, and I love that particular song. Um, Thunder Road is probably my all-time favorite song. My favorite concert song is Badlands. Um, no Surrender has great sentimental value to me. Um, could we make this whole podcast about Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Please don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. Uh -huh. I love his new Western Stars um, album that he just released. So... I um, am an enormous Bruce Springsteen fan. If you look over on my board over there, there's a picture of Bruce, myself and Bruce Springsteen together. Mm -hmm. That was only a few months ago. Um, it was my dream to meet him, and I had never met him before. And um, a number of stars aligned, and I had the opportunity to run so into him. So describe that feeling for a second. Oh, it was like my life was made. Um, I'd... For 45 years, I've dreamed of meeting this person. I grew up really close to where he lived, and I'd run into him a number of times in the na neighborhood or in pizza parlors, and I'd seen him from a distance, and this was pre-cell phone, so you couldn't take a picture when you saw him. And, um, and back in March, this amazing opportunity presented itself, and... Um, had the opportunity for the first time to shake his hand and say a couple words to him, and it was like a dream come true. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Where were you when you got to meet him? 
Um, I was at a restaurant down in Soho. I won't reveal the name of the restaurant because it was thanks to a tip that I knew he was going to be there. Um, So my friend and I were able to go down and eat dinner essentially right next to him and scheme the entire dinner of how we were going to introduce ourselves to him. Um, And so it was an hour and a half of just nervous energy of how are we going to do this? Because she'd never met him either, and she is equally as large of a fan. And so we asked the waiter if we could pay for his meal and write a note that he would the waiter would pass over to him. And we thought this was the greatest idea. We'd figured out how to, to meet him. And the waiter said, no, I'm so sorry, we're not permitted to do that. And so we had about 10 minutes to figure out a different way without embarrassing ourselves by going over and interrupting him, which we desperately did not want to do. And so, um, yeah, we followed him to the men's room is essentially... <laughs> Is essentially how this happened. <laughs> There's no shame in that, I guess. When all else but fails. When right? all else fails. At a so, restaurant. Yep. Yeah, we essentially tackled him as he came out of the men's room, washing, just having washed his hands. <laughs> he was really impressed, I'm sure. He's like, oh, the good old follow me to the restroom trick, eh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, poor Bruce. Well, but it's like. That's a fail It was save, a but that's lifetime moment, yeah. and exactly. we you couldn't it. miss it. <laughs> that's awesome. Good for you for yes. doing that and coming up with another yeah. plan. Thanks. <laughs> I love Bruce Springsteen, too. I've never seen yeah. him in concert, though, but I oh, have gosh. several albums. You must. Apparently, he's going to tour again next summer with the E Street Band, and it is four hours. It is a literal marathon from start to finish. He doesn't take any breaks. He's going to be 70 years old. Yeah the end of September of this year, and his physical condition is yeah. remarkable for a man his age. I and had no idea he was 70, wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So either be a rock star or a runner and yeah. you'll stay young forever. <laughs> That's great. So you've been a runner for quite a while. I have, yeah. for as long as I can remember, really. Will you tell us about your young days of running in school? So, yeah, my youngest days of running were not in school. It was with family. So both of my parents were marathon runners for as long as I can remember. Some of my earliest memories were coming into New York to watch my father run the New York City Marathon. And my parents would take us to local races around New Jersey. And um, one of our favorite family races was called Lake Takanasi, and it was a 5K race every Monday night in the summer, and um, Dr. George Sheehan would be there running and sort of the local favorites, um, and a really high caliber of running, and my parents would do the race, and when we were really young, we would stand on the edge of the lake and watch them do the loops and cheer them, and when we were old enough, which was probably five, six, seven, my brothers and I started running, um, and I hated it. (laughs) I got terrible side stitches and um, did not understand how to push through pain at all and hated sweating and didn't like my parents sweating on me when they would finish the race and (laughs) try and give me a hug. I thought sweat was disgusting. Um, And so that was really my introduction to running, and, and all through school, in middle school and high school, I would run to keep in shape for other sports. 
but I didn't run cross country. I didn't run track um, in high school. Um, what were those other sports? So I played tennis, basketball, and softball, and would run to keep in shape for them, but you know, run no more than a half an hour at a time. And when I went to college, <clears throat> I went to a Division three school and went to play uh, both basketball and softball. And that fall season was my very first season of not having an organized sport to participate in and realized that I needed to keep in shape and needed that physical outlet. And so I started running and I ran into basketball season and, and really fell in love with it. And after the first season of basketball, I realized that I didn't want to continue playing basketball. So started running more and I played softball but would run before softball practices and um, started training for my first marathon my freshman spring and in between my freshman and sophomore years of college and did my first New York City marathon my sophomore fall. That was 93. That was 93. So what what was the motivation behind running your first marathon? Because in college, you don't hear, right? Like people wanting to run a marathon. It's all about cross-country 5K if they're interested in running. So I was definitely out doing long runs by myself in the Berkshire Mountains. Uh, I did not have friends to be running with. Um, I think my motivation was my parents. So they were going to run the marathon that year, and we decided to do it together. I thought it would be a fun thing to do with them, and I thought it was a good way to keep motivated and keep in shape and challenge myself in a new way. And um, it worked out perfectly. I ran most of the race with both of my parents. My, we lost my father at a water station, but finished with my mom and my father finished not long thereafter. Um, and it was a really great lifetime memory. Yeah, that's really special to finish yeah. with your mom. It's really beautiful. It is, it was really special. I think we still have a picture of crossing the finish line together holding hands. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Can you describe that feeling? I don't know if you can kind of go back in time. Like, what was that like first time you finished with your mom and the dad finished right behind you guys? Yeah, I do remember thinking I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the usual thing. So the usual thing. Um, I thought this was a bucket list one and done. Um, but it was, it was pretty special, I think, more in retrospect that I was able to have that lifetime memory be together with my parents, but um, it felt like I was buying into the family tradition of running and running marathons, and I had officially become a member of the family now that I'd completed my first one. That's cool. You said that you... Your earliest memory is actually coming to cheer at the New York City Marathon. Do you yeah. know what, like, who were the runners in those days? Like, who we were talking? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, so, Greta Weitz was the okay. runner that I remember more than anyone. I remember seeing her pass in 78, 79, wow. 80, and standing on First Avenue and seeing her go by and just being so impressed that. So, the men and women started together in those days, and she was running in the pack with the men and being amazed at how fast she was running um, and but thinking that was so cool. But that was Alberto Salazar and, mm-hmm. um, you know, back in, the, back in the days with some of the legendary runners that you think about. Um, it was pre-Joan Benoit Samuelson even. I mean, this was before the 84 Olympic marathon in Los Angeles. Um, so Greta Weitz is the one that I remember more than anyone. Yeah. 
Did your parents go on? To, did they continue running marathons, or was that the last one that they ran? No, they okay. continued running them. Um, my mother did her final marathon in 2006 for her 60th birthday. I think the Philadelphia Marathon actually fell on her birthday. <laughs> and we um, went down to Philadelphia to celebrate with her, and we each ran a little bit of it with her, sort of met her at different points along the course and cheered her on. Um, and that was her retirement marathon. So she's continued running since then. They did the Broad Street Run this year, and um, they're doing runs almost every day, uh, but no more marathons. That's, that's a great way to kind of cap off the marathon career. 60, yeah. finish, the family comes to run with me. Exactly. That's wonderful. Yeah, she's very sentimental in that way. Aww. <laughs> yeah, I love that they are seen running as like for the long term and like right. the longevity of the sport, right. which is what we are trying to preach all the time. Right. So that's kind of incredible, yeah. to, incredible to hear that. So 78, 79, standing on that, watching Greta Whites go by. Right. If someone had walked up to you and told you, like, you're going to be working for New York Roadrunners one day, hmm. what would you have say, said to them? I, I don't I didn't really know what New York Roadrunners was at the time. I knew Fred LeBeau. He was sort of this mythical mm-hmm. figure in our household. I mean, I knew stories about Fred LeBeau, and we were surrounded by a lot of runners. And, um, you know, I, at that point in time, I didn't know what I would be or what my career dream was um so i think i probably would have said you know that would be pretty cool to work (laughs) for an organization that organizes such an amazing day in new york city when you finished school did you um did you go straight to do your mba or did you work and no no i worked um gosh for four or five years before I started working to get my MBA. Um, I went to a liberal arts school where I took art history and history and political science and economics and English and um, and learned nothing about how to balance, <laughs> like work on a P&L and do any sort of accounting or understand a balance sheet. Um, and so I felt like that was a pretty important area to supplement in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started my MBA on a part-time basis. And by the time I got to the end of my MBA program, four years later, I probably didn't need it per se. I probably could have taken some good accounting and finance classes and been done with it. But it was a good experience. And I liked having the discipline in my life, um, taking night classes for four years. Okay. And um, and I'm grateful that I did it, but it was definitely a slog toward the end because I had in my life and career when I started, I wasn't traveling. I was mostly local. And by the time that I finished it the last two years, I was traveling a lot. And so fitting the classes in between my work travel schedule was a bit of a nightmare. That's a lot to juggle. Yeah. Were you also running consistently at the, at the time? I was, yeah. So um, I was um, from the point that I ran my first marathon, running became a part of my daily life. Um, and I ran a number of marathons in college, um, as well as from the year I graduated, I would do two or three a year for um, for every year until I had children. That's nice. I mean, yeah. you bring up the idea of discipline with your school program and fitting everything in, and right. running is very similar. Like, yeah. you're accountable to yourself and achieving more based on putting the work in and stuff. Yeah, so it's not a surprise true. that you were doing both at the same time. 
Yeah, I think it was good practice for then having children and working and running. Right. Uh, sort of the precursor to needing that. Yeah. Discipline. When did when and where did you meet your husband? So we went to college together. Oh, you did. Oh, that's we great. Your college sweethearts. Wow. We our college sweethearts. We graduated the same year, so started the same year, and uh, were friends our freshman year of college, and then started dating in the winter of our sophomore year, and have been together pretty much ever since. So I think it's twenty five or twenty six years. So more than half our lives we've been together. Congratulations. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Who who has the family marathon PR? <laughs> this is a big point of contention. Um, I have the family marathon PR, and um, the person to is, put put it in contention is not here. So please explain. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, <laughs> he um, he has run many more good marathons than I have, and I had one particularly good one that surpassed his history of running good marathons. <laughs> And so I now hold that record for about four years, and he, every year he's going after it. And um, he he really only runs the TCS New York City Marathon. He doesn't. That's a hard one. He only does one a year. And so every year that I've been working here, I track him on an, our app tracker and um, see that he's gone out way too fast. And it's just a matter of time before he blows up. And I know that my record is safe. And so... You're like, you know I have a team of coaches that can right. potentially tell you not to do this. Um, so this year he's asked me to coach him, which oh. is really funny. He just started his 12-week training program Yes, today. Today is 12 weeks mm-hmm. out from the marathon. Um, I submitted the first two weeks of his training pro- pro- program to him yesterday, and he had lots of skeptical questions. So I'm not sure that this is going to go very well, but I told him that I am his coach, and he needs to follow the program that I've supplied to him. And if he has any questions, he can send me an email just like any other athlete would. <laughs> Good for you. I like the two yes. weeks at a time. Yeah. So, you can't look too far ahead. Exactly. So, yeah. So if he blows up on the Verzano Bridge this year, it'll be my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say maybe right. you would be pacing him. <laughs> no. I, I would love to run the marathon again someday, but this will not be the year. Yeah. <laughs> I will be tracking him on our app again. So how um, far off um, your PR is he? He is about three and a half minutes oh, off of my PR doable. from his his best. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty achievable. Um, but he's got a lot of work to do in the next 12 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and great. he's somewhat injury prone, unfortunately. Aww. He played soccer in college and has um, a number of old leg, calf, hamstring, quad injuries that he, he deals with. So right. part of my challenge is going to be trying to keep him healthy between now and November 3rd. It is a challenge for that, yeah. Was his uh, skepticism when you gave him the plan be- around the fact that you might have a conflict of interest in getting <laughs> right. him to PR? No, I am absolutely <laughs> focused as his coach to get him to run his personal best, and um, that is what we are aiming for. So That's a great family but, story. Yeah. I can't wait to watch and see. Right, see how this goes. Yeah, I think, um, as you know, as coaches, one of the best ways to get faster is actually to do speed work. He's never really incorporated speed work into oh. his 
plan. So there's a lot of upside yeah. here as mm-hmm. as his coach. I I see and understand that, but um, and actually, actually, you have to do the speed work. So yeah. tomorrow is his first day of 800 repeats. We'll see how that goes. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. But also, as we get older, speed work is like can also set off these things. These injuries. So, I know. Yeah. I know. It's so. a definitely well. I mean, like any marathon at any age or time, it's like a balancing act. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we're always on that line. Yeah. So I read somewhere, very in passing, lightly, that you're an Iron Woman. So <laughs> I am I a one-time like, <laughs> Iron Woman. Yes. Can that? That's so much work to train for that. Do that. Can you talk about that journey a little bit? What yeah. was that like? At what point of Actually, let's start with what yeah. made you want to do it. Decide to do it. Yeah. I think that, so I I trained and did the Ironman in 2013, and my children were pretty young at that time, and I was traveling a lot for work, and my husband had a new job, and he was working a lot. And some of the impetus for deciding to train for it was to reclaim time for myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew the only way that I was going to be able to do that was if I put something really big and audacious on the calendar and blocked off the time and was scared that if I didn't block off the time and actually train, I would not have the discipline that I needed to have that time for myself. And so, um, and I had done many marathons at that point. I don't remember exactly how many I'd completed, but maybe 20, 21 marathons. And I knew a marathon wasn't going to be a big enough challenge and that I really wanted to do something that was different and scary. And uh, I was getting to the point, um, I think I was about to turn 40 and it felt like, you know, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, better to go and train for an Ironman than to go buy a convertible. <laughs> um, so there are lots of le- less healthy ways to um, celebrate turning 40. And I thought it would be a really interesting, fun way to challenge myself and um, to learn something new. You know, I'd, I had been a runner my whole life. And of course, I knew how to ride a bicycle. I knew how to swim, but not how to do it competitively or with any sort of skill. And so learning those new skills was a fun thing to do when you know you don't always learn things that are new when you're in your late 30s and early 40s that's true I mean obviously you had the running part down what was the hardest of the other two to kind of get the knack for biking or or swimming yeah so swimming is all technique and so it was hard to learn how to swim but once I learned how to do it 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 was not a hard thing to do Um, I wasn't great at it but I was more than competent and even if I had put many more hours in the pool during my training cycle I wouldn't have gotten that much faster at it um I ran up or I swam a very competent time but could I have shaved off two or three more minutes maybe but it probably wasn't worth the effort um but I find cycling to be really hard I don't um I put a lot of time in on the bike and don't really know how I'd get a lot faster than I was. And I am a very slow cyclist. Um, so I find cycling to be the hardest. So what was, what was, what was training like? Like you're trying to attempt these three things to get better. Yeah. And one of them, you're just like, okay, I got to get the technique down yeah. first. Like must have been many hours a week. 
it was many hours a week. I think if I recall correctly, at the peak, I was I was training between 15 and 20 hours a week. Um, so it was a pretty solid part-time job. And I would get up really early in the morning to do something. And then I would do another training thing before I went to bed. Um, so I'll never forget. We had, um, I did a lot of indoor cycling on a fixed wheel trainer and, um, I had it in our set up in our bedroom so that I could read or watch TV and not disturb the family and the kids. And uh, my husband, God bless him, was really patient with it. And it wasn't that loud, but there was one night that he went to bed and I was riding the trainer. He fell asleep. I went to sleep. I woke up early the next morning, got back on the trainer. (laughs) When he woke up, he rolled over and looked at me on the trainer and said, have you been riding that bike all night? (laughs) Um, So it was a lot of, a lot of hours, but, uh, but fun. You know, when, when you can run in or ride a, a bike inside like that for training, I could have my kids around me and I could be entertaining them and reading them books while I was riding my bike. Um, so it's a lot of sort of just getting used to sitting on a saddle for right. four or five, six hours at a time. Wow. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, it's a long for time. how many months did you train? I really started in November for an end of July um, race. So it was really long. Um, and I would say April and May were the most intense periods, right. um, beginning of June. It, it said something about you as a person. It's in, it's so inspiring to hear that you found ways, right? You have kids, but you're like, okay, I'm going to read them stories, but I'm going to get this stuff done. done like, but right. this, like all of this needs to happen. I just, I love hearing that. I hope, like, I feel like it's great, like, thing for our listeners mm-hmm. to, you know, be inspired by. That's pretty amazing. So then what was, what was the race like? What was... Oh, it was a perfect day. Yeah. It was so good. I mean, I, I stood on the starting line and I remember thinking to myself, you may never do this again. And so really enjoy it. You know, don't be f- scared of it. Don't be fearful. Like it, it was a beautiful weather day, which you don't always get. And I really enjoyed every moment of it. To this day, I have these very distinct memories of all of the parts of it. Um, and it was hard. There's no doubt that the second loop of the bike was really brutal and there's a really large climb on the Lake Placid course at the end of the both the first and second loops of the bike and the second loop was really really hard to get up and and then you still have a marathon to run after I remember starting the marathon and my legs just feeling like jelly but knowing that I'd gotten through the hardest disciplines the swimming and the biking which I was least familiar with and that the running was what I knew I could do well. And so uh, it was just a really special day. My parents were there, my three kids were there, my husband was there, and seeing them at different points along the course was a memory that I'll always have. And they were right there at the finish line when I finished, and um, it it was really special. My twins, so I have twin boys, and they were celebrating their sixth birthday maybe the day after the iron man and i kept them up so late that they actually got to see midnight on there so i finished a little bit before midnight but they were still up at midnight to celebrate their next oh, birthday so wow. yeah 
it was a fun family weekend. So for those listeners who may not have ever looked up what an Ironman consists of, can you just say the numbers for the three things yeah, that you sure. had to do? So so it's a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then a marathon. Yeah. It's easy, I right? right. <laughs> but you have lots of time to do it. Yeah. It was a it was a really special thing, and I don't know that I'll ever do another one. Um, people ask me, "Will I do another one?" And um, I I don't know. It's a lot of time to commit. Yeah. How did you feel afterwards, like the few weeks after? Because it filled up so much of your life, and then there's sort of a, this routine is now gone. Yeah, I think that there was a little bit of a, a letdown after the fact. You're so disciplined for so long and not having to get up the next day and know exactly what was on your training schedule. Um, but my body needed a break for sure, um, and it appreciated that break. Um, I was registered to run the I think it was TCS New York City Marathon. It may have been the last year of ING, but in 2013, um, I was scheduled to run that year, and I did. Um, and I could not get myself to train for it. <laughs> <laughs> so That's surprising. It was not the easiest one I've ever done. But fun none, nonetheless, and I knew I could finish it. So I think that that's one of the things that Ironman training or marathon training teaches you is that once you've done it, you can you have this confidence that you can do hard things. Can we go back to your marathon PR yes. of three twenty seven? Yeah, you ran that in um, two thousand and fourteen, correct? In Philly. Yes. Did you approach that race or training differently than your other ones? Yes. You, okay. I did. <laughs> can you tell us about that? <laughs> I did. I got a coach. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what a difference a coach can make, right? Yeah. Having someone that you're accountable to, who knows what they're doing, who understands the science behind training for a marathon. And um, I'd done a little bit of hill work and a little bit of speed work. And I guess backing way up, I had run cross country in college for two years. So I had a little bit of training knowledge on how to train for a race, but had never been trained for a marathon before. And I had a friend who I knew coached. And so I reached out to her and said, I'm running the Philadelphia Marathon. They're about 13 weeks until it starts. I really think I could use some structure around this. Would you be willing to train me? And she was, and she was amazing, and it made all the difference in the world. I think it was not just the science of it and knowing how to train better and smarter, but also having the accountability to know that somebody would be looking at mm -hmm. what I did that day and did I finish the long run and did I incorporate some marathon pace miles into the long run. And you can really, if you're out there and you're only accountable to yourself, sometimes you can talk yourself out of doing those hard things and having someone that I knew I was pseudo accountable to made all the difference in the world that's great that is so true like even there are times like both of us were going through injury patches but then we would come up with schemes of other fitness things that we could do but then make sure that we're like we'll do it together right, right. and then if right. you say like okay see you at 615 like right. we're like all right, right i may have rolled over and hit yeah. the snooze seven times yeah. but 
can't do that. I, right. You know, <laughs> I said I would do it, yeah. right? It makes such a difference. It yeah. makes a huge difference. Because you're right. It's so easy to talk yourself out of something, even if it's just not doing that last right. mile. In the or, middle of the run, yeah. right? Just, I'm going to cut it short today because yeah. I don't feel like it. Uh, it's amazing. Knowing that I would have to input into an Excel spreadsheet right. what I had done <laughs> made all the difference. It's true, and there, I love like one of the things that I loved about the virtual trainer right from the get go was that inputting it in right. and seeing the miles clock off at the top right, right corner of like the total yeah. that you're running, and that is, it's just nice to have these tiny little nuggets showing us that we're doing this work that's going to add up, right? Even that's though so it might not seem like it in the moment. Yeah, um, I would say I also um, that fall for the very first time started using Strava. And knowing that there were other people out there in the world training for the same race or training for other races and seeing what sort of workouts they were doing and where they were running and meeting people who were on Strava. Um, so it was the pretty early days of Strava. And there it opened my eyes to this whole new world of a running community that was... I think really important for my development in that marathon cycle, but also in falling in love with the running community in general. Yeah, just the community aspect makes such a big difference. And I think that's what virtual trainer does, right? You have mm-hmm. Roadrunner's virtual trainer, aside from like, right. there's this, the, the, the the checklist effect right. that's really good, right. i.e. entering it yeah. into something like yeah. you were saying. Um, but then you can also, you know, other people are using this and then you can build right. a community around that and right. that's going to hold you accountable or like we, you, it's like a collective thing of like groups doing it together. And right. that's that, I think that's something really beautiful Yeah. in terms of bringing runners together that's or true. just follow everybody's fitness journey. Yeah. Yeah. On the NYR Facebook private group for virtual training, it's one of my favorite things to do is to look and see what people are posting and what their running experiences have been and how they support each other. The And support each other not just here in New York, but nationally and internationally. There are runners from all over the world who are using the New York Road Runners virtual trainer. And to know that people care about your training from all over the world and making those connections and then for those who are training for the TCS New York City Marathon, for them to come into town and actually physically meet each other in real life yeah. is such a special moment. Yeah, one of my favorite, the first time I ever did the New York City Marathon with virtual trainer was 2015. And I remember you guys organized a photograph for the day after the marathon, right. Marathon Monday. Right. And it was the first time that I got to meet so many people that I'd been communicating with on the coaching staff, but also right. people I knew from the virtual trainer right. Facebook right. page. And it was, just it's some it's really special yeah it's a very special thing that you guys do and so we have <laughs> organically dove into the new york roadrunner yeah. part of your right. life right. and your right. professional work yeah which which i uh, perfect yeah. um so how did how you know how did you start at new york roadrunners what happened and what have you been doing since yeah <laughs> um yeah so i've been here since january of 2015 so a little over four and a half years now and started in a really sort of small way. I think there were like small projects that needed some support within the organization, uh, virtual trainer and our coaching programs being one of them and and started there and over time have added different areas of responsibility and um, honestly couldn't be more in love with the work that I got to do on a daily basis. Um, The people that I work with and the community that we're all here to support, I think the 
folks who work at New York Roadrunners truly feel passionate and love what they do on a daily basis. So just listening to you, you talked about your liberal arts background first and then kind of the bookkeeping part of it. Do you consider yourself that like the cross of left brain, right brain? And is that how it came about that you're in the marketing world? Because that's kind of a a perfect mix of right. both, right? right? Like you have to look at data, yeah. make decisions of that, but there's a whole yeah. artistic element to it too. Yeah, I think that that's, that is exactly right. I think that um, I there's nothing I love more than a good Excel spreadsheet. And at the same time, a um, you know, well-designed piece of art is, I have huge appreciation for. And so marketing is the marriage of those two quantitative, qualitative areas of the world. And um, I've been really fortunate in my timing of my career that I was just sort of hitting my stride in terms of my work life as social media and the internet was coming to be and being a part of figuring out how to leverage um, sort of digital world and digital products to expand a brand's reach was has been an important part of my life and career and um, I get to do that here at New York Roadrunners a bit as well. That's so cool. Um, just to follow up on that, so you've been here for four and a half years, so we have international listeners right. too. If you had, let's say there are people listening who have not run the New York City Marathon, what would you have to tell them to be like? Gosh. convince them to come here yeah I think um, a couple things one is yeah the marathon itself and race day is unlike any other experience you can have it is the best day in New York City and I think the best day in running and I say that from a biased and unbiased standpoint um, and so to experience that in person is pretty magical the um, percentage of runners that we have from outside of New York and from outside of the U.S. who come here to run really makes it the world's marathon. We say that it's where the world comes to run, and it's so true. We have the marathon opening ceremonies on Friday night, and we have a parade of nations, and it's like the opening ceremony of the Olympics with the runners from countries from all over the world wearing their traditional dress and carrying their flags and representing their countries in such a prideful way. Mm-hmm. And so um, on race day, you'd be hard pressed to look down First Avenue and not spot runners from Italy and from Poland and from Japan and from Brazil, and they're all wearing their country colors. And that is such an amazing and special thing. Um, But there are so many other ways short of coming to New York to experience that. Um, So we have um, the broadcast, which we work really hard on to broadcast the race around the world. We last year had over 650 million households that the marathon reached and so we view that as a way to spread the experience around the world and um, and that's really special and then this year for the first time ever we launched um, a marathon virtual race so in 2018 we had the inaugural virtual marathon which gave 
runners the opportunity to run a marathon in their hometown or their home country on Strava. There were about 500 finishers for that first inaugural um, virtual marathon. And now they get to come to New York this year to run the in real life marathon as the first class of, of finishers. And so we intend to do that every year where we'll give runners the opportunity to run a virtual marathon during the weekend of the marathon, wherever they are in the world, and then come and experience it in person the following year. And we hope that the program will continue to grow and runners will have an amazing experience, both in connecting with each other all around the world, um, and then being here to represent um, their hometown or their home country on race day. That's a really neat initiative, especially for running marathons. It's, there's a lot of delayed gratification in being a marathoner. So that is kind of the cherry on top to run a marathon virtually like right, somewhere right. where you don't have all the crowds with you. And yeah. It's all self-motivation and discipline. But then the reward is to get to come the following come year. Here. It's yeah. beautiful. That's a great initiative. Thank you. I wanted to ask, do you have like a favorite runner, male or female, that you just like super admire the most of that you've? Always. I mean, I know you met, you mentioned Greta White, so maybe right, that's right. your answer. But there are so many good, really special runners out there. I think I mentioned Joan Benoit Samuelson. Yeah. I think that I watched that marathon live on TV in 1984 and was so inspired by seeing her finish the first women's marathon. And um, it was. It's amazing to me to this day that 1984 was the first women's yeah. marathon. It wasn't very long ago. Mm -hmm. To think that there wasn't one before then is just remarkable to me. Um, so I have enormous respect for her. She just ran the Boston Marathon this past year in 3.04 and is hoping to break three hours, um, I believe, in Berlin or Tokyo, oh, wow. maybe Berlin this fall. Um, so I, I would have to say that she is one of the runners. Um, I'm looking across my office at a picture of Shalane Flanagan yeah. and what she did in, in 2017 here at the marathon was so awe-inspiring. And seeing a replay, I've seen it hundreds of times now of her finishing in Central Park and the pure joy and emotion that she had on her face um, was really special. Um, but then there are, there are other runners that I'm inspired by locally. Mm -hmm. um, I'm One of the great things about my role is that we get to be at the races most weekends and become familiar with the, the local runners. And so seeing a number of them um, doing so well and qualifying for the Olympic trials in the marathon or in other races um, is, it's amazing. It gives you a sense of just in your backyard, the um, amazing quality of talent that is is right here in New York. Thank yeah, you. interesting tidbit on Joan yeah. Bernard Samuelson's mm -hmm. finish. That her her age graded uh, time was two eighteen. Yeah, like it's age graded. Pretty just amazing. Which is like, yeah. so That's... Coach Stewart called her and was like, "Oh, great, she's getting faster." Right. <laughs> right. She, Did she beat her PR? For yeah, she's she, like, she just PR'd amazing. For... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So now we get to the light, silly. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> on you, the spot things. Yeah, on the spot. Yeah. Okay. You want me to go for it? Yeah, you go for Oh, it. sure. Okay, so if you were a type of food, what would you be? <laughs> a type of food. 
<laughs> you ask other people these questions too. No, I you're first. This. No, no. <laughs> I've listened to your podcast. I would have prepared for this one. Oh my gosh. Um, a type of food. I think I'm. I'm like a, a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love I like it. Um, foods that are like somewhat healthy, but also a little fatty and and um, not healthy at the same time. So I feel like when you eat a good cheese, you're like you're doing good for your body, but at the same time, it's it's pleasurable. Yes. So uh, that's, I'm gonna regret the answer to that <laughs> question, <laughs> and I'll come back to you. You know how many follow ups could be to that answer, but we'll leave <laughs> right, that alone. Thank you very okay. much. Um, <laughs> Do you have a go-to post-long run meal that you like to have? Yeah. Um, I, I crave a chocolate milkshake. Mm. There's something about the cold, the consistency, it being cold, the dairy, the chocolate. And um, let me tell you, getting a chocolate milkshake in London after the marathon this year <laughs> was one of the harder things I've ever done. <laughs> I could barely walk another step, and I went from restaurant to restaurant, bar to bar, looking for a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> and the nearest McDonald's was much too far away. Oh, no. And so I was unsuccessful at getting a chocolate milkshake uh, immediately after the marathon. But I was craving it, and eventually I did, but it was hours and hours yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> it's like too late then. <laughs> you need your post-nutrition yes. team yeah. to be ready right. um, beforehand, yeah. especially in a point-to-point race like yeah. that. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't leave it there. Yeah. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Yeah, definitely a transporter. It's probably a common answer to that question, mm-hmm. but um, I think being able to move quickly between places so that I can maximize the time with my family and maximize the time with my work and with friends, um, it would definitely be a transporter. You're not allowed to use it on race day. <laughs> no. no, it would disqualify you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so if you had one training tip for our listeners, and maybe your husband's listening. Um, <laughs> you uh, listen. one Paul, are you, are you listening? <laughs> so if you had one training tip for Paul or everybody, what would it be? I believe that doing some strength work in addition to running is so important. And I see that now as I'm getting older, that just having some muscle to support your your body um, will keep you running for longer. And as a running purist, it's really hard for me to do any sort of strength every day, but I try to, even if it's just five or 10 minutes. Um, so that would be my recommendation. In fact, this morning when I left my husband um, and he was examining the plan for the second or third time, he said, <laughs> strength? What, what do you mean strength? I have to do strength tomorrow? <laughs> just do some sit-ups, a couple of something. planks, something. Make it up. Just give me 10 or 15 minutes and um, we'll see if he does it. But it's on his plan for tomorrow. Do you have a go-to strength thing? I, I don't. So I, when I am training for a marathon, I'm a little bit more disciplined for it. I do have uh, some specific strength exercises, but right now in between 
marathon cycles, I so I have a group of um, three girlfriends, there are four of us, and we have a text thread. And every month we select a different mm-hmm. set of 30 workouts to do that are all strength-based. So one month will be core workout. Right now we're in the middle of a glute month. Nice. And so... And when you finish your strength workout, so this goes back to the accountability, uh, we text each other and say, like, check, I did day 11 of the glute workout. Wow. And so um, right now we're in the middle of glute work, and sometimes it's arms and sometimes it's planks. And last month it was core and it was brutal. Uh, but yeah. it gives you the discipline to actually do it. So that's the strength that I do. And it's not a lot, but it's something. That's incredible. How long are the workouts each day? So anywhere from three minutes to 10 minutes. Wow. It gets harder Doable. as the month goes mm-hmm. on. It, it's cumulative and, and builds so that at the end of the month, at day 30, it's usually pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the beginning of the month, day one is usually pretty easy. Wow. Do yeah. you guys make up the workouts or do you... They're, no. they're something that you Yeah, find. there's That's something that we find online. There's usually a free resource out there, and we find a, a workout to do, and we debate on the first <laughs> of the month, what is, what is it going to be this month? And um, it's uh, usually something that is not legs specifically because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're all runners, and we get a leg workout by running every day, but it's arms or core or planks or uh, yeah glutes I guess kind of legs but not sprinter legs right. <laughs> so we're not out we're a long distance runner so some glute work is important yeah that's really cool yeah we try to do that yeah. <laughs> I'm slacking lately right. <laughs> no I love the accountability aspect of it it's just so great just and also just setting up I loved like the going back to kind of the excel spreadsheet model mm-hmm. just having right. a number you're like yeah 30 days we're gonna keep you know you know stronger that always just somehow gets everyone together and then you have to check off if someone checks off first thing in the morning you're like well i have to do that now yeah yeah (laughs) it's been great i think we're deep in our second year of doing it now that's great yeah that's so great by the way i just want to mention um you used to work at lacetane right it's one of my favorite companies it is one of my favorite companies too still to this day yeah do you have a favorite product i do um I have lots of favorite products. I still use a lot of the products. So um, I love their shea butter soaps. So the bar of milk soap is, I order them five at a time, and they last forever. They last forever. I just want to eat Um, it. Oh, my gosh. It is the best. And then... um, Is that where they're going? Right. it's sort of like Springsteen songs. I could go on and on of the L'Occitane products that I really love, but the almond shower oil mm-hmm. is the best-smelling bath oh, product that one. In, that I've ever smelled. Um, so that's one of my favorites. And then uh, the skincare products are great, and uh, my husband uses the shaving products. Mm-hmm. He claims that they changed his life um, wow. many years ago, and despite no longer having the employee discount he'll still buy the L'Occitane <laughs> men's shaving product so that says yeah a lot. it's a pretty special brand it is every christmas my mother gives i have two sisters mm-hmm. and every year my mother gives us a little bag of L'Occitane products yeah. so i love the hand lotion the hand lotion is amazing the lip yeah. balm is great i had at one point like a perfume mm-hmm. um the 
the dense one that's like a it roll on. Yeah, the roll on. Yeah. And I love the face cream, the blue in the blue. The immortelle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, the immortelle flower yeah. um, is farmed in Corsica. Yeah, the product is really incredible. And anytime I use the products, it transports me back to Provence. And yeah. when I worked for L'Occitane for almost 10 years, I had the privilege of traveling to Provence quite oh, a bit. Oh, that's and nice. The, when I open a jar of their product today, it just transports me back to the mountains of the Provence countryside. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. It's one of my favorite companies. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit extra. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you both. And thank you both for coaching with us. Oh. We're so grateful. I mean, one of my favorite things that I do at um, New York Roadrunners is to help support our training programs. And um, we have just the most amazing coaches. And they come from all different backgrounds and all different experience levels but um, I think it's great because it means that there's a coach out there within our program for any New Yorker so whether you're just starting or whether you're looking for a really fast sort of Olympic standard time we have a coach for you and I think it's um, just a really special group of individuals and so talented and giving. So it's thank you wonderful. both. It's been wonderful for me just because I came through the ranks of the virtual trainer mm-hmm. and being a coach has just enriched my life experience so much. To be able to help someone and know that they're experiencing, like to know the feeling that they're experiencing, right. of, oh my God, I can do this and I didn't think I could do it yeah. is something that I'm just so grateful to be able to be a part of. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I'm going to be repeating myself because I think I said the same thing when we were talking about group training with, we, we interviewed Coach Gordon Bakulis right. and it was, it was such a great interview and we were talking about how, how nurturing the program is overall in this group setting and in, in a collective way. It's about bringing everyone up together mm-hmm. and elevating the experience and kind of the journey. And one of my favorite things as talking to Gordon, like we realized that there's it, it, the program itself is designed to give and it's just so there's no way you can put more in it than it's going to give back to you, whether you're a coach or, or, or a trainee. It's just it's the nature of it. And that's just so beautiful. It just the leadership that's behind it, the coaches, just the model, the personalities mm-hmm. there, like everyone. It's. Yeah, you said there's something for everyone there. Yeah. Like no, you know, no one, no one gets left behind, and they come out with a really, really superior experience about yeah. people. So that's beautiful. And they come out with a lot of running friends. I yeah, think it's, you meet people you can run with every day, and it makes I think it really enhances your running experience in New York City. Absolutely, that's how I met Ali in group training. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, one question we forgot sure. to ask you: What is your next race? Uh, Percy Sutton 5K oh, right, in Harlem. <laughs> exactly. <I'm more> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to run that one and Great. not with any goal in mind, yeah. but uh, it's one of my favorite races. It's got some pretty challenging hills 
smack dab in the middle, but such a great community event um, to support the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce up in Upper Manhattan. And I love our races that we run on the streets of New York, not just in Central Park. So you get to experience different neighborhoods. And this one runs right through the CCNY campus. And um, so that's the next fun one that I'm going to do. But there are no marathons on my schedule at the moment. I think I done two in the last year and would think I need a little bit of a break but yeah. it's so tempting I see <laughs> friends training for them and I'm pretty jealous of their long runs on the weekends and having that goal in mind so it won't be long before I decide to do another one Nice. Yeah you, can, yeah, you can say that as a plus or a minus of like the whole community thing we yes, talked about earlier. Yeah. Now you're looking right. at everyone else's like, wait a minute, I right. want to be in that. Exactly. <laughs> well, for the third time, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Like this has been, this is so great. Thank you for giving us the time. I think this is such a great episode. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks, listeners. See you in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>